You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So we've got a lot to discuss. Here on Crunch Time, you're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337 706 0111, and it is about to be ringing off the hook, I have a feeling. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just absolutely fantastic. We got a lot to get to, bud. Oh, dude, don't we all. And we'll start with probably what now is the biggest story in sports. It's going to be the biggest news for the next couple of days, I would assume. Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos have agreed on a contract. Sean Payton will now be the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. And in return, the Saints get the 29th overall pick in this year's NFL draft, as well as a early pick next year. Most reports are describing it as a 2024 second, although that has not yet been confirmed. In addition, the Saints are sending Sean Payton and a 2024 third rounder. Now, I I get that a lot of people are angry about the third-round pick that the Saints had to give up. I'm not thrilled about it either. But there are some beliefs, and and this has been rumored for a while now, that Sean Payton is going to try everything in his power to get Taysom Hill. So look, the Saints send that third-rounder to Denver. Denver sends sends it right back for Taysom. We're good. We're good. And look, I love... It's, it's one trade, but with extra steps. I love Taysom. And I'm going to be sad the day he leaves. And it's tough, because I was actually looking to get a Taysom Hill jersey. But the man's 33 years old. I think getting a third rounder for a 33-year-old is pretty good. You win. <laughs> it's not you too win. bad. I know that he didn't start playing NFL football till he was 27, 28. I get that. So he, he's got some more years. So he's almost acting like a 28, 29-year-old. But still... And he has a unique position where he plays just about every position. But to me at this point, like we had talked about, he had injuries in college. The fact that he hasn't had more injuries in his NFL career is pretty much a blessing for him. It really is. So it's only time before it starts breaking down. So to me, even though you would hope for like a second rounder, getting a third rounder for a 33-year-old is still pretty good. If, huge. If this is to happen. It's huge. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that story progresses. I have a feeling that it will. But, you know, now the, the question becomes, the hell do you do with 29? This changes everything. Because now you have a first-round pick again. Put that thing in UPS and but send it to go up in the draft. 29, it's not a great first-round pick. No, it's it's, it's the, practically it's the third to last one. It's a second rounder. It's practically an early second round pick. So where where do you where do you go? You could go lineman. It's not sexy, but no, it's always a need. But you you can never have enough linemen, whether it's offensive or defensive. Building up in the trenches is pretty much always key. But here's here's my thing. 
linemen are, are guys that it, it's one of those positions where, yeah, you could get a really, really good one in the first round. But or you, you could get you Andrews could, Pete. You, you could also get somebody in the third that has a lot of upside and it works for you. Like a Max Mitchell, like a Kevin Dotson, just a couple of to ring a, just to ring a, a bell. Where are Guy, they? Where are they from again? Yeah, both guys were drafted in the fourth round, and they are now starting offensive linemen for their respective teams. I'm just saying, and you pay them a lot less money. Also, um, look if you stay at 29, which I'm not totally against. I've seen a lot of mock drafts that say that Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt is still going to be hanging out there. And if that's the case, you need a wide receiver. And he would be a great one to line up across from Olave. That that I'm just saying. Here here's what's interesting. But if you don't get anybody in free agency, having Hyatt, Rashid Shahid. And Chris Olave, your three starting receivers have a total of two years of NFL experience. Correct, but long, which, which would be, be tough. But long term, that's huge. Is is it is it tough right now? Yeah, sure. But in three years, when your oldest receiver is 26, 27, two, you're golden. And then you're basically you're golden. You'll have you'll have to pretty much pick one or two of them. Yeah, I mean you will because at that point you're going to be like either well, Rash- I don't, I don't, either Rashid- I don't know if you're ever going to pay Rashid Shahid big money. I don't I don't know that he's ever going to be a big money guy. If he if he gets enough of a role in that offense, and it be like because the thing with Deontay Hardy was he was he was an All Pro and he was a Pro Bowler as a special teamer as a return man. He just wasn't very good at being a receiver. Rashid can do both. True. So that's the true. fact and and that's the thing is the Saints value players that can do multiple positions. And with him being a return man <clears throat> and a competent receiver, so if here's, he keep, if he keeps carving out a role for himself, a legitimate role, he could demand some solid money. So b- before we get to a, a second proposal that I have in my head, we want to hear from you on on your thoughts on the Sean Payton trade 337-706-0111. We're going to leave the hotline open the entire first hour. So if you want to get in, now's the time to do so. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on the Sean Payton situation. But look, here's here's another proposal that I have. You take 29. You take the second rounder next year that you got from Denver. You throw in your own third. In this year's draft? Sure. Okay. And Mike Thomas. Four? You go get Lamar. Oh, you go get Lamar. You you acquire Lamar, franchise tag him because you're not going to have enough time to negotiate a long term deal. So franchise tag him. You have the year, and then in within 2023, you negotiate a deal. And if you don't, then you have Lamar Jackson for a year, and then you can go draft Caleb Williams. That's such a that's that's, that's that's such a pipe dream. That's such a, that's such a cute dream. It is. It, it's such a pipe dream. But I mean, come on, a first, second, third, and then a top receiver when he's healthy. Keyword there is when he's healthy. I understand. <laughs> but that's such a cute dream. 
it could work, man. It could work. Let me live my dreams. <laughs> I just look. It, it'd be nice because if if you're the if you're the Ravens, obviously you love to keep Lamar. And here's the thing: Lamar has proven they need him more than he needs them. He's proved that. Yet somehow, Lamar Huntley is or Huntley has become a Pro Bowler. Don't know how that worked. I saw somebody say that the Saints should sign him, but oh god! Well, what about this? Our friend Christopher Dunnels posted on Twitter, and he put he prefaced it in all caps, saying, "I am not saying the Saints should do this, but it's a possibility." But in case you're curious, packaging picks twenty nine and forty would equate to moving up about thirteen spots. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're up to 16 at that point. Mm-hmm. I swear, if you tell me you you trade up about 13 spots to go get Anthony Richardson, uh-uh, I'm going to uh-uh, be pissed. Uh-uh. You add your first in 2024, move up well into the top 10, <laughs> maybe Arizona at three. Because if you're Arizona, are you not taking... If somebody offered you 29 40 in the next year's first for just that one pick, are you saying no? I don't think they have a history of not trading back. Because, I mean, what, what does Arizona desperately need that they need the number three pick? They could use a new edge rusher. Depending on if Will Anderson's there at three, <laughs> they, could, they could easily get their guy right there. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Because we we don't necess- there is no cemented like first one through five. We don't know exactly where everybody's gonna you, go. You know who's gonna be in that five. You just don't know the order. We 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 know about the first seven. Like okay, this is probably how it's gonna go, but we don't know the order. That's the thing. There's Bryce no Young's, cemented one, two, or three. Bryce Young's a top five pick. C.J. Stroud's a top five pick. Will Anderson. Will Anderson's a top five pick. We know that for sure. Will Levis probably finds his way in there. He might I'd, get there at like six or seven. Who knows? Um. Jalen Carter, probably a top five pick. I'd probably say so. He, so that's four. Like we we pretty much have about down pat. You just but don't know like, the order. Because in, in what? Because if you're because if you're Chicago, you know there, there's rumors that oh we're going to trade Justin Fields and draft our own quarterback, or you could go, hey, you know Justin Fields has a couple years of experience. He's proven himself to be good when he has pieces around him. We need help on the defense. What if we draft Will Anderson first? What if we drive Jalen Carter first? Like, you you don't know. Usually, it, it, it's crazy because usually at least the number one pick is like, this guy's going number one overall, two through whatever, we're unsure. And then even then with the Texans, you don't know exactly where they're going to go because you could, you could very easily think. They need okay, a lot of help. They do. But luckily, they do have a lot of draft capital to work with Correct. to help themselves. Correct. So with that, they very easily could go quarterback here mm-hmm. or they just take whichever one was available between Carter and Will Anderson and then at that point then you could see the Cardinals be like okay well two guys kind of want it because we're not going to draft CJ Stroud and or right, Bryce Young you don't need a quarterback so then you could trade back but do you necessarily want to trade all the way to 29 that's the thing do you want to trade back all the way from 3 to 29 for a first next year you still have a first this year plus another first next year, so that would be two first in twenty four. 
but what I'm saying is you'll you'll get draft capital for sure. And they could use a little bit more, but it's like, do you want to take that far of a jump back? Because then it's like, if you see somebody that's maybe there at 12, all of a sudden now you got to get back into it. I think if you're, I think if you're Arizona, a late first, early second, and then an additional first next year, I think that would be worth it. Yeah, that's a big jump. That's 26 spots. Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna fall back, you don't want to fall back too far. Correct. No, if, it's, if it's you, a big jump for sure. If you have a top three pick and you need a lot of help. Because obviously they need it. You want to fall back like five, six spots. So if, or like I, I've seen a couple of proposals where the Colts trade up to like number three. Just move up that one spot. Because they're at four. Thought they were six. They're at four. Hmm. Well, either way, I mean, you don't want to trade too far, right? But it's like, and then if you want to trade back again, sure, and then you get even more draft capital. But making one trade to go from 3 to 29, you'll get two extra picks out of including a 2024 first. But do you, do you want to... I don't think they would want to jump that far back on one trade. If they end up resulting going that far back, sure. But I'd want to do like two or three trades going from 3 to 29 eventually. And not just skip a couple steps and go all the way back 26 spots. Well, I mean, I, I, I could see that. It, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plans out because knowing Mickey Loomis, I don't think they're done. I, I don't think that the Saints are going to stop at 29. I think they're going to find their way into the mid-teens. How they're going to do it, I'm not really sure. But I, I think that they are going to finagle some sort of way. Maybe you include Mike Thomas. Figure out some sort of way to put him in a trade with a pick and move up. There, there's ways that you could do it. Uh, we're going to take a time out here. When we return, we'll have audio from Kim Mulkey following a big win over Tennessee, and we'll, of course, continue this conversation about Sean Payton right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you are well on your way to winning that $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple, and it's all from the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Saints got a first-round pick. God, I'm so excited. Let's go to the game hotline now. Martin, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, not too much. Uh, I wanted to kind of uh, talk about, you know, they they also had another head coach that uh, uh, that got a job. D'Amico Ryan's going to the Texans. Okay. Uh, now the Texans got the number two pick. Do you think it's possible that since D'Amico Ryan is a defensive guy, that he possibly passes on Bryce Young and gets Will Anderson instead? And uh, where? Then where does Bryce? I, I think my my personal opinion 
I think there's going to be movement. Like some somebody's going to try and trade up, or I mean, you got Indianapolis that's that's right behind. You know, I mean, and then don't forget they got Denver that's got what the number five pick. I want to say, you know, do they try and get Bryce Young? You know, maybe maybe Champagne don't think that Russell Wilson's his guy. You know, and or I don't know. I mean, I, I want your opinion on that. You know, I mean, but. You know, the Texans do, do have, you know, a history of drafting defensive players over quarterbacks, you know. Uh, what's your opinion, buddy? So, obviously, it's going to depend on D'Amico Ryan's, you know, sitting down with the locker room, sitting down with his new coaching staff, and, and just kind of figuring out, you know, where they feel they need the most work. Um, And obviously, you know, him being a defensive mind, it could make sense for him to go after a guy like Will Anderson or or C.J. Stroud. But, you know, looking at, at the Broncos, they're set with Russell Wilson because they don't, they, don't okay. they don't have that pick at five anymore. That pick went to Seattle in the Russell Wilson trade. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, so, yeah. Maybe I mean, Seattle gets desperate and try and trade up, and do you think maybe Bryce Young uh, ends up in Seattle? Maybe. I, I don't, don't know. I, mean, I don't think Bryce Young goes all the way to five. No. Seattle, Seattle, kind of already have shown their commitment to Geno Smith, so I don't see them. Are, I don't see them trying to get a quarterback in the first round. Trying to trade up with uh, Chicago to get that number one pick, then they draft uh, Bryce Young at number one, you know, and maybe Will Anderson drops down to still drops down to. I don't know. I, I think it's gonna get a. It's gonna get very interesting between now and the NFL draft. I mean, don't forget. Uh, we, they still got a, the NFL Combine to go through. I mean, you know, they could, you know, totally whiff on the NFL Combine. A lot can happen between now and the NFL draft that can, you know, make their, their draft stock kind of drop. Yep, you know, absolutely. Are in the, but why are they making such a big deal on uh, that quarterback out of Kentucky, man? Uh, what's his name? You, Will you Levis? mentioned his name. Will, uh, Will what's Levis? his name? Yeah, I mean, I really had didn't. I, I haven't really seen much film and or anything. Is he is he that good? You know, I mean, I mean he's. I don't know. He's good. I just don't know that he's NFL ready. Right. If that makes you sense. You think he could be? Uh, could he be in? The, uh, I mean, another. Uh, what's that San Francisco quarterback? That uh, what's his name? Brock, I, I drew a blank. Brock Purdy. No, 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 no. The one they drafted high. Trey Lance. That. that yeah, Trey Lance. Could he be another Trey Lance uh, in I, the making? I could you know, see that. He, he's a bust. I could see that, and I'm not. I'm not ready to call Trey Lance a bust just yet. Right. I got you. All right. That's all. Thank God this Sean Payton saga's over. You know. I mean, he got his team, and we can move on with our lives. You know. Yep. But uh, thanks for taking my call. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, Martin. Yeah. I mean, look. Obviously, there's going to be a, there's going to be a ton of movement. Do I see Seattle going up to number one to get a quarterback? No, no, I don't. I don't even see them getting gonna a quarterback be, in the first round. They're going to be just fine at number five. There's going to be plenty of defensive talent at number five that they can go get. Because here's the thing, Chicago, they've already got Justin Fields. They don't necessarily have to get another quarterback unless they really want, unless they really fall in love with one, and then they trade Justin Fields. But I don't know if I necessarily see that happening. If you, if you're Seattle and you want to beef up your backfield, your defense, you got Tyree Murphy. I mean, Tyree Wilson, excuse me, who's an edge rusher out of Texas Tech. And then you've also got Miles Murphy, who's a defensive lineman out of Clemson. Both of them have been hanging out in a lot of mock drafts around 5'6". So you, you would have your pick 
of either one of those guys at that point. If I'm Seattle, I trade back. I probably would too, to be honest. I mean, there's just you look at Seattle, yeah, of course they have some deficiencies, every team does, but you know, if you They're not gonna fix all their issues by getting somebody at five. Correct. Because Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are more likely not gonna be gone anyway. And to me, if you can trade back into the teens, you can still get a quality edge rusher or somebody else that you could use to to work on the front seven. This mock draft I'm looking at, if this is if, if this turns out to be anything close to true, man, D'Amico Ryan's is gonna have an offensive field day. Draft Bryce Young at two. And then go get Jordan Addison at twelve. The wide receiver out of USC. Mm-hmm. Dude. That's freaky. And then you're bound to trade Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, so you'll get capital from that. Do and that. Then, and then you'll get John Mechie back. That is freaky. Oh, man. Uh, I'm looking at the... I'm looking overall at, you know, kind of like the first six, seven picks. Yeah. Half of them don't need a quarterback in my eyes. They really don't. Chicago, to me, they could very easily trade back or just stick with whatever and get. I don't see Chicago moving out of one. Will Anderson, unless unless the package that they get like absolutely blows them away, I don't see them trading out of one. Houston, I can maybe see a quarterback, but that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. Is if you get a quarterback, to me, it depends on what your offensive coordinator is looking to run. It's fair, or a. Like or unless they previously Davis Mills just ain't it. it. He's just not it. He's, He's not. not. Unless they get so unless, unless they get somebody from free agency. Correct. Unless you're going to get a free agent, you need to draft somebody. Because here's the thing, they could be a team that could trade back and let somebody else, like maybe the Raiders at seven, try and trade up to go get whoever they want. Yep. Or let the Panthers at nine go and trade. And go get whoever they want, or even see if the Jets are interested in trying to trade what they got to trade up. Like, there's a lot of teams that I could see very easily trading back, and I think it's potentially the Cardinals. I could see it being the Colts, or the Colts could even trade up and try and get their guy. That way, it's like foregone conclusion: we got our guy. I know we only moved up two or three spots from like four to two or four to one, but hey, we got our guy. So, I could see them either moving back or moving forward. This is slightly unrelated because. It's still NFL draft talk, but I'm just looking at this mock draft. You know how annoying it is that when Osiris Torrance was at Louisiana, it was, uh, oh, you know, he's a great offensive lineman, but not a first-round pick, probably second-round at best. And now that he's at Florida under Billy Napier once again, people have he's project- projected him He's to projected be- to go 16th? hmm Really? That's so aggravating. Same player, just wearing a different uniform. Played just as well this year than he did at all of his years at Louisiana, but yet because he's in an SEC program, now he's a first round pick. That's so frustrating for for me, anyways. Being a being a Cajuns guy, that's just incredibly frustrating. But anyways, following LSU's big win over Tennessee last night, Kim Mulkey met with the media as well as Alexis Morris and Angel Reese, and Kim Mulkey gave her immediate thoughts on the win over the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, first of all, compliment the fans. Goodness gracious, I don't think I saw an empty seat. Now, I didn't look long, but when I walked out, I was like, ooh, these people are standing. Somebody get up and give that older woman a seat. Uh, It was everything that 
young people need to experience in college. And uh, thank you to all the people who made that happen. Uh, I thought it was a, a game of um, that was good for the SEC, women's basketball. It was good for women's basketball, period. Um, I thought there were things that um, a lot of people still have question marks about us, and we're good with that. We had those question marks. We still have them today, but that's, that just feeds our hunger. You just played a team that's played every good team out there this year. I don't know who they have not played. They should be ranked in the top 25. That's the best offensive rebounding team we have played this year by far. Also, you know, we talk about confidence and how important that is in, in the world of sports and how there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. But, dude, I'm going to tell you this. that This 10-second soundbite from Alexis Morris is, is fantastic. She was asked about, you know, her career-high 31 points and if the game plan changed at all, you know, throughout the game when she started scoring more points than maybe they anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got my first few transition buckets. I was like, okay, this is pretty easy. I might as well use it to my advantage. And uh, that's what I did tonight, pushing the transition and put the pressure on them. She said, this is a cakewalk. Y- y'all ain't guarding me. I'm going to just drive to the rim every time. Oh, say less. Oh, Christmas, baby. I love this. Easy cash money. She sh- she said, the first couple buckets are out. This is pretty easy. Oh, that's all I got to do? This This ain't too bad. Got to drive. That's all Ten- I got to do. Tennessee's just played every good team in the country, and they were also eight and zero in the SEC. But this is easy. Oh my God! We'll take a timeout. We'll talk more about LSU. We'll continue the Sean Pay- the Sean Payton conversation and your calls on the hotline at three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. This is Crunch Time on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Okay, so the Saints' first-round pick now, 29 overall, has been traded three times. The first time was traded from San Francisco to Miami for the Niners to move up for Trey Lance. Then it was traded from Miami to Denver for Bradley Chubb. And now it's been traded from Denver to New Orleans for Sean Payton. So, if... That pick's been around the block. Well, here's the thing. I'm not ready to call Trey Lance a bust. I want to see him start for a full season in the NFL before I'm ready to make that assumption. So let's do this. Saints need a quarterback. Well, I, I'm, I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. Give 29 back to San Fran. Get Trey Lance. Do I want that to happen? I don't know, but it could be an idea. Could be an idea. Just saying. Welcome back to Crunch Time 436. Make it come full circle. Almost almost 437. Hey, we love things to come full circle. We we got a a message from a listener 
that that I find interesting. We were we were asked, James and I, we, we were asked to elaborate on the, the Sean Payton situation and you know him going to Denver and, and why he didn't want to come back to New Orleans. And the, the the thing was was that Sean Payton owed the Saints fan base and, and front office an explanation as to why he didn't want to return. Look, I'm gonna be honest. Sean Payton owes the New Orleans Saints absolutely nothing. Nothing. And and people, you know, I, I've heard people badmouth Sean Payton ever since the day he walked out of that facility. I'm never going to say a bad thing about Sean Payton. Never. I'm never going to say a bad thing about Drew Brees either. If Drew Brees would have unretired and went and played with somebody, I would have never said a word about it. I'll keep it real about both of them. I'll keep it I'll keep it real about just about anybody. But I'm not going to badmouth somebody just cuz they left. Sean Payton took a job at a broken and dying franchise. The Saints were on the verge of moving. They were not going to be in New Orleans anymore. He saved the franchise, kept them in New Orleans, oh, and by the way, brought them a Super Bowl. That dude owes you nothing. Nothing. You want to know what his explanation could be? Why I'm not coming back? Because I don't feel like it. And that would be okay. 15 years of service. Look, it's a valid point. You know, if, if you feel that Sean Payton knows the Saints an explanation, fine. I'm good with it. He doesn't. And I'm and I'm sure he had conversations with Ms. Gale. I'm of sure course. He, he had conversations with everybody. Coming, but that's not something that necessarily needs to be past closed doors. Coming back to the Saints was in the cards. You're not going to tell me that it's not. It, or it wasn't. That was an option on the table for Sean Payton. Because, look, I, I don't care how loyal you are to, to coaches and whatever. If Sean Payton would have called Gail Benson and said, I want to come back to the Saints, Dennis Allen would have been out of a job. In .5 seconds, Dennis Allen would have been out of a job. If Sean Payton said, Gail, I'm coming, I just need a job. Done. Right, James? Do, do you agree with me? No, I agree. If, if and, Sean, it's, and it's it's not that it's not that the Saints didn't want him back. Saints would have accepted him back with open arms. Of course, they would have easily been like, if Sean wanted to be like, I want to come back. They'd be like, Oh, thank God, please come nah, back. Please, please come back. We need you, please. But Sean didn't want to come back to New Orleans, and that's okay. Clearly, something happened his last year or two in New Orleans. That set him off. Will we know what that is? No, probably not. The dude was burnt out. I would have been burnt out too. 15 years at one place is a long time. It is. It's a very long time. It's very rare nowadays you see coaches stay in one place that long. It just doesn't happen. Bill Belichick and Andy Reid are exceptions to the rule. And Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I mean, guys just don't stay with one organization for that long. To, to think eventually that the, something buckles. To think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have only had three coaches in the last like fifty years is mind-boggling to me. 
And it, and it's crazy to think that Tom Landry stayed with the Cowboys for 27 mm-hmm. years. 27. That doesn't happen anymore. It just, it just doesn't. That's not a regular thing. And after everything Sean Payton gave to this organization, he owes you absolutely nothing. You got a first and a second round pick for him. What more do you want? What more do you want? You're a team that went 7-10, and 10, didn't have a first round pick this year, and you got it back. Is it as high as your pick would have been? No. But it's still a first-round pick. It's still an opportunity to go get better. It's still an opportunity for you to take said pick and Michael Thomas, a guy that you are actively trying to get off of your books, and move up to where you want to be. You know what Sean could have easily done? He could have easily stayed at Fox and waited till the end of the 2024 season and be like, okay, well now I don't have to... Now I don't have to be traded anywhere. I can go wherever I want, and the Saints don't get anything out of it. Exactly. Sean Payton could have done the Saints dirty, and no one could have said a word. What are you going to say? The man, once again, the man took a broken franchise and brought it its winningest stretch ever. Ever. Tell me a period of the New Orleans Saints that had a better run than 06 to 21. I'll wait. Because there, there's not a one. And it's interesting because people talk about how well, Sean Payton only brought the Saints one Super Bowl in 15 years. Okay. Well, there's not many coaches. You know that, how hard or it that is to success. win a Super Bowl? Not only that. But how many coaches are able to win a Super Bowl? But also, how many other times did the Saints go to the Super Bowl? The other forty years, zero, zero. Let, let, let's look. At, let's look at the last fifteen years. Let, let's look at the last fifteen years. How many teams do you know that have won multiple Super Bowls? New England, mm-hmm. Kansas City, mm-hmm. anybody else? Steelers, the Steelers, okay, the Dolphins. Okay. Cowboys. No, in the last 15 years. Oh, in the oh, in the last 15 years. I'm sorry. I thought just, we were talking just, about all time. Patriots. Other than the Patriots and the Chiefs. Who? Well, the Patri- the Chiefs only won one. Okay, so f- further proves my point. So the Patriots. And, and now, now the Chiefs are going to a second one. They've played in three. What's the what's the common denominator with both of those franchises? What did they have? Hall of Fame coach and a generational quarterback. The Saints had a Hall of Fame coach and a generational quarterback as well. But the biggest problem for the Saints was that at that time, there was so much talent in the league I mean, look at the NFC South back when Sean Payton and Drew Brees was there. The South was always tough. The other one was the Giants, by the way. From Tom, And that was 07 and that was 11. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's hard to go to a Super Bowl. To be honest, you win a Super Bowl as a coach and you, you know, eclipse, I don't know, 
200 career wins, you're probably a Hall of Famer. Sean Payton's a Hall of Fame head coach. He just is. I mean, right now in the NFL, James, help me out. Name coaches that are better than Sean Payton in the NFL right now. Andy Reid? You'd say Andy Reid. Bill Belichick? Yeah. It hasn't looked great the last couple of years, but I'm well, yeah. uh, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt. Who else? You could say Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, that's fair. So three. You could say maybe Kyle Shanahan. Maybe. Eh, maybe. Maybe. Because it feels like they're on the same level. It's kind of like that's a, probably four A, four B. It's it's a it's a pick pick your poison. Correct. So top five head coach. In the current NFL, I don't know. Pete surprised us, but I don't know if I'd necessarily put Pete as number no. four or five. No. Not anymore. Ten years ago, maybe. Sean McDermott's really good. I like Sean a lot. Yeah. And Nick Sirianni is very quickly but climbing depending, up the ranks. D- depending on how you look at it. You'd still you'd still consider him top five. Sean Payne's top five head coach in today's NFL. If, if you're the Saints, you had a top five coach in the NFL for 15 years. He brought you a Super Bowl. He put you in three conference championship games, which before that time, jog my memory, James, how many conference championship games had the Saints appeared in before 2006? Zero? Yeah, zero. I, I don't know what more you could want from the guy. He owes you zero explanation. He owes you zero apology. As a matter of fact, I speak on behalf of who that nation when I say we continue to owe him. I have a question. Do you know how many teams have won a Super Bowl? Out of out of the 32, do you know how many have won? Have even half of them won a Super Bowl? 20 of them. 20. So the other 12 have So have 60% never won. of the league have won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them have never even made it to the Correct. big game. Correct. It's hard. Not everybody can be the Steelers or the Patriots or the Cowboys. Or the Chiefs. Or the Chiefs. Or the 49ers. You, just, you, like you can't. I mean, look at the Bills. They went to four straight Super Bowls and never won one. Think about that. It's not easy. So th- that argument about, oh, Sean only won one Super Bowl, I personally think that argument's crap. I really do. I think that's crap. Andy Reid, considered one of the best of all time, didn't get his first until twenty until 2020. Yeah. That one he won with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Think think about that. I that that argument's crap. It just is. Take a time out, wrap up hour number one, right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can use it to listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, 4.52 on the clock. Let's look at the poll question of the day. We haven't really gotten to that yet, Matt. The Sean Payton talk has just absorbed the whole first hour. Looking at it, where do you think the ceiling is for LSU women's basketball as they are now 21-0 and on the season? Do you think they're going to go to the Elite Eight? Do you think they're going to go to the Final Four? Do you think they're going to be like a championship runner-up? Or do you think they're going to win the whole damn thing? What do you think, Matt? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the whole thing. Look, they're they're looking like a juggernaut already, and this is year two of Kim Mulkey at LSU. But you know, I'm I'm gonna be honest. A, a realistic expectation for them right now, I could see them making the Final Four. I was gonna say Final Four feels like the minimum of what I feel like you should do. Yeah. At this point, what you've shown us, I feel like finishing in the Final Four, that feels like something that shouldn't be like frowned upon, because you start off twenty one and zero. And like, let's say they sputter out a little bit. I don't think them finishing in only the final four would be a disappointment because I don't know if necessarily a lot of people thought that they were going to win the whole damn thing in the second year of Kim Mulkey's tenure with the Tigers. But looking at a couple of the comments, well, actually, let's look at the percentages first. Total votes, 45% are going towards the Natty champions. The championship runner-up, it's a little less than 13%. 35% is going to the final four, and then the last 7% is all the way at the Elite Eight. Looking at Ton, the way they're playing, I could be I could see a national championship. Seriously, they're playing better and better. I see growth and improvement from the game to game. And when an undefeated team continues to improve instead of rest on its success, championship is definitely possible. I completely agree with that. Because or originally on, we were kind of looking at it like they're, they're blowing out everybody, but they're also kind of not playing really anybody. And then it's like, got into SEC play, they've only gotten better. They're, they're still beating teams. And it's like, even, and even sometimes it's it's still pretty handily. Did you see the play last night where Angel Reese was playing defense at the top of the key, got the steal, picked up the ball, went down the floor, laid it in, got the foul. James, I don't know if you saw this, but after the and one call and the ball went in the hoop, she's literally standing there by the she's she's under the goal and she does this little shimmy and then she just licked her fingers. Like, oh man, this is so good. And it's just the the confidence and the swagger that Kim Mulkey's team has is impressive. And that's important. Because if you don't believe every time that you step out on the floor that you're going to win the game, then what are you doing? And this team believes that no matter who they play against, they're going to win the game. And you know, you heard Angel Reese talk about it after the win last night. She said she didn't play well in the first half. She had four points, four rebounds. But she ended up with 18 points and 17 rebounds. You want to know why? Because she realized that she was probably forcing the issue too much in the first half and decided to let the game come to her, which is huge from a sophomore at that. 
to be able to sit there and realize that the game just needed to come to her. And then again, Alexis Morris, 31 points. I mean, we, we normally you see Alexis as the facilitator, but man, last night she was just driving to the rim and, and getting it done for Kim Mulkey's squad. Salty Steve says Mulkey is way ahead of schedule. They have a lack of size, but it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. All the way is the only answer. John Paul says maybe not the championship game this year, but it is like Coach says over and over again. It's a growth process. We are seeing the birth of an LSU women's basketball dynasty that could even surpass UConn's legacy. JB says, founding member of the Scott Woodward Appreciation Society, chiming in here, they are going all the way. Hashtag coaching matters. And then Brad says, final four, but ask again after they play Crybaby Staley's team. He is, of course, alluding to Don Staley and the South Carolina Gamecocks. That game coming up very quickly on February 12th. Uh, that's going to be, oh, oh man, that's that game's going to be interesting. We're going to kick off our number two talking with a guy that used to cover the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now he covers LSU women's basketball. Our guy Corey Diaz is going to join us at the top of hour number two. We'll recap the game last night, preview what's next, and so much more right here on the game. at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We're back right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talked all things Sean Payton, who is now going to the Denver Broncos in exchange for the 29th overall pick and a second rounder in 2024. The Saints also sending a third rounder in 2024 as well. We've also talked about LSU women's basketball getting a massive win over Tennessee last night, 76-68 to inside Pete's Palace. Over 15,000 people there to see it. And I, you know, sometimes attendance numbers are exaggerated. I don't, I don't think 15,000 was an exaggeration last night. That place was packed. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on the game hotline to recap the, that game and much more. Corey, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, Matt. Doing well. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing well. Doing well. So, you know, looking at the, the game last night, we'll, we'll start with the crowd. Uh, again, over 15,000 people, the largest crowd since the PMAC was reconfigurated in 2005. What were your thoughts on, uh, on the attendance? Was it actually 15,000 people in your mind? Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it was fifteen thousand one hundred fifty-seven in there, man. Um, you know, they because they had a they they left a few tickets for you know for walk up. Um, so I will say, you know, at tip last night there was still 
some empty seats. Uh, but I would say by the end of the first quarter, I mean, the PMAC was completely full. Um, and it was, man, it was loud in there. You know, when they, when LSU went on that stretch there, uh, that run there to, to open the second quarter, um, it got really loud. And, you know, when they went on that 11 0 run there, um, with about three minutes to go in the game, uh, you know, my ears hurt a little bit, man. It was, it got pretty loud in there. I, I, I got my first taste of, of, of now what I've learned to have been called the death dome. Um, and it was it was pretty deafening in there, man. When Alexis Morris, uh, you know, she kind of spurned that that late run there, and, and of course, you know, Angel uh, steals the ball from Rakia, goes down, you know, finishes through the contact, drew the end one, and then she does this, you know, this TikTok dance that that all the kids are, are crazed about uh, right now. I mean, that the place just went absolutely bonkers, man. It was it was a tremendous tremendous atmosphere for. Uh, not only uh, LSU women's basketball, but women's college basketball as a whole. I thought it was uh, just a great display by the university, by the SEC. Um, and, you know, kudos to Kim and her ladies. They got it done in a big game. Corey, you can't make yourself sound older than you are, man. The TikTok dance that all the kids are crazed about. Come on, <laughs> Listen, man. You're, man. You're not uh, much older you know, than me. I, look, I'm 35 years old, man. Like, I, look, I don't have a TikTok. I don't really know what it is. Uh, but I know folks that are ten or so years younger than me. That's that's what that's what they do. They're on they're on TikTok. You know, I got a Twitter, which I barely know how to do. Barely know how to do Facebook now. It's all these changes. Uh, I I just do the bare minimum, man. That that's that's enough for me. Looking at Alexis Morris <laughs> with her career high thirty one points last night on eleven of twenty three shooting. You know, th- this season Alexis has kind of undergone a a different role, kind of playing a true point guard spot, being more of the facilitator in this offense. And and you know, last night, especially post game, she talked about how the transition buckets were were coming easy. So it obviously looked like it was going to be a big night for her, and she certainly proved it down the back stretch. Yeah, you know, Matt, I'll say this about Alexis. Obviously, you know, again, you know, that was something that Kim talked about in preseason about, you know, um, you know, once she had gotten all the pieces in and she kind of knew, uh, what the team was going to look like and how it was going to, uh, how it was going to work. Um, she knew that, you know, Alexis was kind of going to take on a, a different role. But through all 21 games so far, I'll, I'll say this about Alexis Morris at the point guard spot. If you go back and kind of watch all the games, she, she takes a, about two or three early shots, right? She's checking her temp every t- every time out. You know, she she knows she knows probably within the first five minutes of the game uh, whether it's going to be a, a big offensive night for her or whether it's going to be more of a night where she needs to sink into more of the facilitator. Uh, I need to find my teammates type role, right? Well, I think she hit her first three or four shots last night against Tennessee. She knew it was going to be a big offensive night for her, and I think you could tell just as the game went on. Uh, I think her early offense, knocking down those early shots, I think it sparked her on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, she played really good defense against Jordan Walker, who's, uh, I would say, probably a top five point guard in the league. Um, and that helped her just th- throughout the remainder of the game, man. I think, I, I think when she's, when she's on offensively, 
it makes LSU so hard to defend because obviously you got Angel Reese on the inside, but you also forget that, you know, Jasmine Carson's also out there on the wing who can literally knock down a three from just about anywhere on the floor. Uh, you got Flage Johnson who's crashing the boards and can get offensive rebounds as good as almost any other guard in the country right now. And uh, she can finish through contact because she's really strong even as a freshman. I mean, it her her putting up, you know, 15 points or more a game for LSU is is about as dangerous as this team could possibly be. And obviously, she put up 31 last night. So, I mean, it was Tennessee had a shot to win that game. You know, they they closed within within three points, I think, with uh, less than four minutes to go. Um, but you know, when she sparked that run there for LSU at the end. Um, there, there was no going back, and it was a little too much for Tennessee to overcome. And, and you know, credit to her, man. She, she really got the team going. She kind of, you know, as Kim said last night, she was the quarterback. You know, she, she carried the team. Uh, Angel had a, a had a lot of struggles in the first half. Uh, couldn't really get into her rhythm, uh, rebounding ball, nor offensively. They needed someone to step up, and, and that person was Alexis Morris. You know that that leads perfectly into my next question. At halftime, Angel Reese. Like you said, really struggled in the first half to get anything going. Only had four points and four rebounds at the break. Was there some concern inside the PMAC that her double double streak could have been in jeopardy at the half? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I can't speak for the other fifteen thousand plus that were in there, but but I can only speak for myself. I the 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 job that Tennessee was doing uh, because they. Their their number one priority coming into the game last night was keeping Angel off the glass. And, and I've said this about Angel before. Angel to get herself going offensively, she has to she has to rebound the ball. Now whether that's on the defensive end or whether that's getting offensive rebounds and being able to get the ball back, you know, uh, and usually she she gets a lot of second chance points. Right, she has to rebound the ball to really get herself going. And I thought what Tennessee was doing with her by having her guard the perimeter, keeping her out of the block, uh, it was affecting her rhythm a lot. I was concerned that Tennessee was, was going to try to stick to that game plan, um, have her try to uh, you know guard out on the perimeter as much as possible, keep her away from that. Um, but you know Kim talked last night you know in post game that um, you know the bi- the biggest adjustment that that LSU made at halftime was basically just tell an angel look. Yeah, we're going to need you to guard uh, Rakia Jackson on the perimeter because she does have the ability to knock down the three. But once the ball goes up, we need you crashing the board. And uh, that was all the reminder that Angel needed. you know. And, and obviously, uh, in the second half, in the third and fourth quarter, uh, she scored what? I believe it was 14 points, 13 rebounds yeah. in the last two quarters of the game. I mean, you know, she was obviously – she was needed there in that second half as well because, again, there were two different stretches there where Tennessee closed within one, two, three points. Um, so they, as, as good as Alexis Morris was in the first half, uh, LSU needed Angel Reese in the second half to pull that thing out. Now, you know, looking at, at the rest of the way, there's seven games to go in the regular season. You've got a big matchup with South Carolina, but really I, I don't want to sound – overconfident in this group but outside of that South Carolina game Corey it kind of looks like a pretty light stretch head, heading down to the back stretch of the last six or seven games you know the sky's the limit for this group obviously that that matchup with South Carolina is going to be huge in two weeks what are your thoughts on the last seven games and how far do you think this team can go 
Yeah, I, I think you know la- last night kind of proved it, Matt. I mean, this is uh, this is the second best team in the SEC this year. Um, you know, I I still believe legitimately that Tennessee is a Sweet Sixteen type team. They have that caliber of talent on their team. I got attacked for that last night on Twitter, saying that they were Sweet Sixteen good. I I don't know what what basketball game or season up to this point people have been watching. I mean, they've got two of the top 25 players in the country on their team in Rakia Jackson and Jordan Hurston. I don't know what people are talking about. Tennessee is good, okay? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Last night, was, yeah, last night was a statement win for Kim Mulkey and the LSU Tigers. They needed that win in a bad way. They had not beaten a team that was better than top 30 in the net all year long. Last night they got a top 16 net win against Tennessee. Um, anyway, so I digress. But this is this is the second best team in the league. Yes, going up to South Carolina is going to be a really tall order. Uh, they can do so many different things to to take you out of your game, and also they can just beat you in so many different ways on the offensive end as well. Uh, I will say there's there's a couple of games left in the league in the regular season that. You know, if if LSU doesn't get themselves up for it, you know, there could be some issues. Ole Miss is a really good, solid team. Coach Yo has done a great job in Oxford. Uh, That's a team that I would kind of look out for. And and in the regular season finale, man, I mean, obviously it helps that both of these games are in the PMAC. But Mississippi State coming to town right before the SEC tournament is a game that, you know, could be one of those trap-type games. You know, Mississippi State's got some really good players on their team as well. They got one of the best defenders in the league, um, you know, on their team. She's a really good shot blocker. Her name is escaping me in the moment. But uh, those are those are two games that I would say, look, obviously LSU has far superior talent. Uh, but if they don't get themselves up for those games, you know, you could look up in the fourth quarter and you find yourself losing, trailing by three or four or five points, and you're having to go on a late run there to try to, you know, try to win those things. But uh, LSU is clearly clearly the second best team in the league, um, and I I would be shocked if, if South Carolina and LSU aren't playing for the tournament championship uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. You know, that first week in March. Um, you know, but you know, as we saw last year, you know, upsets do happen in, in that tournament. So. Um, that that's where this team is, man. I, I I see two losses going into the NCAA tournament. Both of those losses, two being South Carolina, um, and this is probably a borderline one seed in the NCAA tournament. God, a one seed in the NCAA tournament sounds really good for for Kim Mulkey's group. Corey Diaz, a Daily Advertiser, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Corey, appreciate your time as always. Back in the PMAC Thursday night when they take on Georgia and. Uh, you know, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you as always. And there he goes, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. Once again, LSU returns to the PMAC to take on the Georgia Bulldogs Thursday night, pregame 6.30, tip-off set for 7, and you can catch it right here on the game. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll talk more Sean Payton. We'll also get to D'Amico Ryans going to the Houston Texans. And then James... There's a certain draft-eligible quarterback that says the NFL will see a better version of him than the NCAA ever saw. We'll get to that next here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score $150 to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Miss Fitz Dine and Drink in Broussard, or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. However, you can only score these prizes to help with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. How do you do that? It's very simple. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. Like I said, it's simple. So go sign up today. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So there's an NFL or a potential NFL quarterback that says the NFL will see a better version of him than we've seen while his during his time in college. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, who suffered an ACL tear in November, says that he is on track to be healthy in time for training camp. And while at the Senior Bowl earlier this week, he said, you will see a better version of Hendon Hooker in the NFL. The best we've seen yet. Really? I'm just saying, we talked earlier about the Saints drafting a Tennessee receiver at 29. Since Hendon Hooker's injured, he might fall to 40. It's kind of all coming together. Just saying, let's go to the game hotline. Chris, what's up? You know, I just wanted to give my opinion. As we're about to say, is the deal finalized yet? I don't know. But um, we're about to say goodbye to Sean Payton officially. Uh, as New Orleans Saints fans, you know. I want to tell y'all, before Sean Payton came to the Saints, we had, you can count them on on one finger, one playoff victory. Correct. That was in 2000 with Jim Hazlitt. When Sean Payton came over here, he changed the whole scope, the attitude, uh, the way we looked. At, I'll speak for myself. The way I looked at myself as a Saints fan, Um we believed, and we, we won that Super Bowl. That's probably the greatest sports memory that I have in my whole 44 years. Um, but I wish him luck. Uh, I'm not sure that we got everything we should have gotten for him. I think maybe we could have gotten a little bit more, but I know the door was closing. But uh, thank you for everything, Sean Payton, and uh, good luck in Denver, except when you play the Saints, who that? You have a good one. Appreciate the call, Chris. Ah, look, would I have loved to gotten a second first? Absolutely. Was that realistic? God, no. It just wasn't. I think a second and a second and a first was the best you were going to get from anybody. You weren't because the whole the whole thing ever since Sean had retired originally, people were saying the Saints need to get at least two first round picks because you always compared that last trade with John Gruden. But those are two completely different eras. Those two completely different coaches, completely different ages, completely different yeah, contract you, lengths. Gruden was, what, 35? And he had like eight years left on his contract? Yeah, that's that's way different. And that was and that was right after him winning the Super Bowl with the Raiders. Correct. Whereas with Sean, he, 
even though we always go back to it and we're saying, well, it's still a lot better than what a lot of other coaches have done. Sean didn't win, hadn't won since 2010. So it had been 13 years compared to one or two years with John Gruden. Correct. So it was completely two different things. But look, going back to the Hendon Hooker thing, again, if you draft Jalen Hyatt, you draft Hendon Hooker. You're trying to have your Tennessee version of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Look, they already know each other. They have a chemistry built. It was four touchdowns to Hyatt in against Alabama. Five. It was five. Five. He had like six catches for like 120 and five Cor- touchdowns. Correcto. Against Bama. Uh, uh, yeah. Correcto. Offensively, all you really need, you need offensive line depth, you need running backs. And you would like to get a veteran receiver in that receiver group. Bring Jarvis back. Sign Jarvis to another one-year deal, three, four million, done and done. And then, you know, everybody's talking about defensive tackles, and sure, you, you, you need some defensive help, but it's little pieces here and there. Your linebacking core is set for now. Your secondary could use a little bit of help, but nothing nothing major. It's nothing you can't address either in the later rounds of the draft or in free agency. If I'm the New Orleans Saints, those first two picks, if they're available, obviously if these guys fall through, you have to figure out something else. But my number one scenario, if I'm Mickey Loomis, is I'm drafting Jalen Hyatt and then I'm turning around and drafting Hendon Hooker. Now, what's the chance that Hendon Hooker is going to be ready for week one? Well, according to him, he's going to be. He told He's telling teams at the Senior Bowl that he's going to be ready for training camp. I'm sorry, it was six for 207 and five touchdowns. Yeah. I shorted him 80 out of, yards. <laughs> out of six catches, five of them were for tutties. Against Bama. For 200 yards. Against Bama. The only thing is, and I hate always having measurements be like kind of like a defactor, but he's not necessarily the big body type. No. He's, he's six foot 180. So it's not because you'd, you'd want to try and get a receiver that's more big body to make the contested catches. Oh, you're talking about Jalen Hyatt? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Hendon Hooker. I was about to say the Saints won a Super Bowl with a six foot quarterback. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm talking about Hyatt. Yeah, I mean he's he's a little small. You'd you'd because you already got Chris Olave that's pretty much the same size. But I think Rashid Shahid's basically the same, same size. size. I know Jarvis Landry would be basically the, the same, same size. size. You you're not going to change the height because he's he's probably done growing in, in that department. He may However, get to six one. But with, it with kind the, of depends on the measurement. With the NFL nutrition plan, now, is an NFL nutrition plan, an SEC nutrition plan, much different? No, probably not. But if you could have Jalen Hyatt add on 10, 15 pounds of muscle, be six foot 195, he, he's a solid option. That's a solid number two. Because Olave, after the rookie season he just had, Chris Olave is your number one receiver. He he just is. Jalen Hyatt would become your number two. Rashid Shahid slash Jarvis Landry, if you return him, would be your three, so on and so forth. But you look at the, the Saints' deficiencies. Their biggest one this year, outside of a head coach, <clears throat> was their quarterback. Correct? Andy Dalton... 
was okay. People said Andy Dahl never lost you a game. He was okay. For the most part, sure, but he never won you a game. Nope. He, you're not you're not looking for a quarterback that's not going to lose you the game. You want a quarterback that could win you a game. He was okay. The, he was okay. But guess what? I, nor anyone, should settle for okay. Just shouldn't. Maybe for a short period of time. Correct. You want to you you want Andy Dalton to be your bridge quarterback? Go for it. It's fantastic. I don't want Andy Dalton back next year. I don't. Go get a guy in free agency or draft a guy and figure it out. Because I would much rather throw a guy into the fire and figure it out than have mediocre at best be your quarterback again. So go draft Jalen Hyatt. Go draft Hendon Hooker. In the third round, go get you know, offensive line depth, defensive line depth, whichever way you want to look at it. Maybe pick up a corner in the later rounds or a safety. Get another running back. I think running back, you would just go free agency. Well, go get one in free agency, but then also get Dr- one, draft get one later. Late. Yeah, because you never know what Jimmy could yeah. find there. Yeah, Cause, that's true. Because Spears, it's not like he's going to necessarily go first or second. No, but he's probably going fourth. I see him more as a. I was gonna say I see him more as a day three. He, he's probably going early day three. But man, that, how, and, how cool! And that's, and that's how at that cool point, would that be? At that point, that that's about where I would want the Saints to go get him. How how cool if, would that be? And here's the thing: go trade up. It's not like the Saints are afraid to trade up. They're not. I, I'm interested to see what you're going to be able to do with Mike Thomas. Because you and I differ on that. I think you could get something for him. Again. If there's a Super Bowl contender that feels like they just need an extra weapon and would be willing to take the contract, they're given a third-round pick for him. Anybody else might be a little difficult. But if you're a Los Angeles Rams with OBJ situation where you just felt like you were a weapon away, I could see somebody making a move like that. I just know... It's pretty much a what have you done for me lately league. Well, of course. So, and he's been Mike, hurt for the last three years. Mike hasn't done really anything for you lately. So it's like, how are you supposed to trade valuable trade capital oh, to go get a guy that you really haven't seen much at all in the last three years? The Denver Broncos are good. Their social media team just posted a picture on Twitter of a Denver Broncos visor, mm-hmm. and they just put it on Sean. And well, you know how. When you when you say like you're doing, you put a, the asterisks, and then you put like the action that you do. Have you seen that trend on, on social media? Sure. Okay. Anyways, it says that it, it says adds to cart. Like they're buying a oh, Denver Broncos visor for Sean. That's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh man, D'Amico Ryan's also taking over as the coach of the Houston Texans. I mean, James, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move by both. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's obviously had a great career playing for the Houston Texans. He has been a great up-and-coming defensive coordinator in the league, and now he gets his first opportunity to be a head coach at the team that he played for. And he gets to coach up Derek Stingley Jr. Correct, which is huge. That's huge. And then you also, there's offensive weapons already. You got Laramie Tunsil. Got Damian Pierce. 
John Mechie supposedly coming back. We haven't seen necessarily what he can do, but there is still very much a lot of hype that, and I, I still have a lot of belief that Mechie can still make a big impact on the team. So, I mean, you're looking at a, a, a guy who is already set up to have have a little bit of success in, in the NFL if, if things go the right way. It's all about you know what that ownership group is going to be able to do, how much money they're willing to spend, things like that, because that's been the issue with the Texans. I mean, they've gone through three coaches in three years. That's a problem. But you know, three coaches in three years. Last three coaches have only lasted one year each. But you know what, James? Let's sign the fourth guy to a six-year deal. Hmm. Was that smart? Probably not. Brendan Ertle joins us next. We'll talk Sean Payton. We'll talk to Miko Ryans. And who should the Saints draft next here on Crunch Time? A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Who likes to be productive at work? Not me. <laughs> but, uh, cha. James, you got to help me out. You got to be ready for for moments like that with with the, with the drops. I need you. I need you to be better. Back here on Crunch Time, five thirty six. Here on your Tuesday, we've been talking a ton about Sean Payton today. D'Amico Ryan's getting hired by the Texans as well, and of course LSU women's basketball. Let's continue the Sean Payton conversation with our guy Brendan Ertle. Erty, long time no talk, sir. How are you? Doing good. Uh, I thought something might happen today when Matt texted me, and you know when Matt texts you, it's it's always a good it's always a good thing, and uh, some good things happen today. Yeah, you know, I I just I woke up this morning and I said, you know what, I I think Sean Payton's going to get dealt today, so let's have Brendan on. Uh you you had a, you had a, a a good guess, and I kind of felt like that way too, and I kind of felt like that uh, the past, you know week but today it just felt like the day and it happened and uh, a little bittersweet um but you know really glad it's done and over with so you know D'Amico Ryans gets hired by the Houston Texans and not 10 minutes after the the first tweet from Adam Schefter came out that you know the the Broncos and Sean Payton were closing in on a deal do you think that they were connected in any way? Do you think that maybe Denver was waiting to see what D'Amico Ryans did before they they moved with Sean Payton? I, I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I've kept up with this way too much and probably an unhealthy amount spent on my phone. And um, the Broncos' top three were Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and D'Amico Ryans. And Peyton's the only one where you need to give up significant draft capital to get. So, of course, they're not going to put all their eggs in that one basket. And I think Jim Harbaugh is a really, really good coach. Uh, National signing days tomorrow, I don't think that he would have left those kids, and uh, especially not this time. He would just kind of screw his, his university and, and the kids that are already committed and that will commit. Uh, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me. I, I know they were going to fight to get him, and uh, it would have been free in terms of, you know, you're trading assets. Uh, and I know the the Broncos ownership is going to give Peyton, you know, eighteen to twenty one million dollars, and um, that's 
not a lot. That's not a little amount of cash, and um, it's something they probably would have give, given Jim Harbaugh as well. But I really do think that Broncos, the Broncos were, were really interested in D'Amico Ryan's, but it didn't really make a ton of sense to me, honestly, because you put all your eggs in one basket with, with Russell Wilson. Didn't work. You had Nathaniel Hackett, who was an offensive-minded head coach. Your kind of your goal in that is, okay, he did it with Aaron Rodgers. Um, we could bring this guy in, maybe bring in Aaron Rodgers. They weren't able to. They get Russell Wilson, um, and it just completely flops. It's one of the biggest flops of of this year, this past year, and probably moving forward. So what they had to do is they had to hit on this next hire, and I think it. I think they were kind of waiting to see what would happen with D'Amico Ryan, but it would have been a smarter move to to put you know your, all your eggs in one ba- are are in the basket already. Might as well just start throwing them in there and just hope they don't crack. And I think this was the right move for them and, and for us. Honestly, um, it sounded like it was Broncos or Fox. I mean, the Cardinals were were interesting for a couple of days. Uh, I went I went and looked at like the draft value charts and from when we got from from Denver to Arizona, it probably would have been a second this year. where We weren't getting that third overall pick. Um, it probably would have been a second this year and a third next year. I mean, if if he told me we traded Sean for a second or third, I'd be underwhelmed. That's not that's not that's not great. So we got we got the first that's big and we got the future second that we lost. That's also big and yeah, we had to give up the third, but I mean, do what you got to do and it the, the value of the trade makes sense, but yeah, I saw conflicting reports from from Ian and Adam Schefter saying uh, they were in contact today, that being D'Amico and, and the Broncos and um, Adam Schefter said they weren't. So I've never seen a conflict like this, like that. And um, I, I mean, who really knows what's true and what's not? But the only thing that is true is that Saints are back in the first round and uh, Sean Payton is a Bronco. Yeah, it's odd to see the top two guys in the business have completely opposite r- reports there. But, you know, one thing that I find interesting is ever since the news dropped that Sean was going to Denver – I've seen people share pictures of Sean from Fox's broadcast of the pregame show Sunday, and mm-hmm. he is wearing a orange tie and orange pocket square. Yeah, Dude. and I was listening to um, ESPN just right right after it happened, and Adam Schefter was on the phone. Uh, he talked a little bit, and he hung up randomly, and he, he was just needed a tweet something about um, I think the the, the the Buccaneers brought in someone to interview, and he wanted to tweet that or something. Um, but he did say on Sunday, that he, he said this, he said that Sean Payton wore that orange tie purposefully to show that he wanted to be a Denver Bronco. And they actually called him out on it on TV and said, like, yeah, you're an orange tie. And he's like, yeah, it's for the Bengals. But he said it was, in fact, because he wanted to be a Bronco. So, I mean, we always say Sean Payton will tell you and, and show you exactly what he wants, and that's kind of what – he always did and always stood by, and it, it was true. That orange tie was for the Broncos, and it, and it got done. Do the Saints get their third-round pick back when, when Sean Payton calls about Taysom Hill? You know, uh, you, you know we were talking about that, and it, it seems like kind of like a joke. Yeah, like, um, yeah, they're going to go get Taysom. I mean, if we cut Michael Thomas, that makes, might make some sense um, for them because they have, haven't really had a tight end. Uh, they didn't have a tight end last year that really produced for them, and Michael can kind of fill in at like a Y spot in some packages. And uh, they do have Cortland Sutton, obviously, and Jerry Judy, two explosive guys. But I don't necessarily think that it won't happen. 
uh, it wouldn't surprise me. That that's for sure. I, I definitely think that the Saints uh, and Broncos will talk again about someone on the roster, whether that's you know Pete Carmichael, Taysom. Um, I mean, it really could be anyone. I mean, I don't really know um, how closely Sean wants Taysom Hill, but if if they call him or like, yeah, uh, we'll give you the third back for Taysom. I'm accepting it, and I don't think that's his value. I think Taysom's probably worth a little bit more than that. But in the Saints' case, we don't use him enough. We don't use him properly. And if everything goes right from your plan of we got to find a quarterback of the future, you want that quarterback here in the field all the time. And the thing was with Drew and Taysom is why do we keep taking Drew off the field when uh, – or why do we keep – yeah, why do we keep taking Drew off the field for Taysom um, and, you know, it, it works sometimes and here and there, but we don't have Drew anymore. And the goal is to get a quarterback that will play every snap and to get a running back that will be a hard-nosed running back. And I, I just don't think we have the creativeness um, in the building anymore for it for it to really work. Um, but, sure, I, I, I would love to keep Taysom. And if they offered a third, I think that's, I think that's fair. Yeah, and, you know, for a 33-year-old especially, I mean, a third-round mm-hmm. pick for a 30, absolutely all day. Well, I love Taysom, and I don't want to see him go. But if if Sean Payton's willing to give that third round pick back, I'm taking it. Um, yeah. And you know, so I, I've got a a theory in my head, Brendan, and I want you to tell me if it sounds crazy. So the Saints right now sit at 29, and then again at 40. What if you draft Jalen Hyatt at number 29, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, and then you turn around at 40? And draft Hendon Hooker. Is that crazy? I, go there. I, I I like it personally. And your your goal this offseason is to find your next quarterback. And you know, I heard you talking about Justin Fields before we got on the air. I mean that's that's I think a long shot at this point. I don't think Chicago will actually draft Bryce Young at number one, but if they do, um, good for them and sure yeah, I I would definitely talk to them and I would include the 29th pick because whatever quarterback you get, whether it's Justin Fields, Derek Carr, um, a veteran like that, they're instantly the best quarterback in the NFC South, and it gives you a lead in the NFC South. I mean, Tom Brady will leave. I I I think he will uh, play again, but not not in Tampa. You know, he's going to be a year by year basis, and I mean, San Francisco makes a lot of sense. Uh, Carolina, I have no idea what they're going to do. And Atlanta, I think they'll stick with Ritter for another year. So um, you get your quarterback, you're the leader in the NFC. And where we sit currently with draft picks, I think you don't, you're not going to get Bryce Young. You're, not, you're probably not going to get C.J. Stroud. You're probably not going to get Will Lovett. So you go back to projects. I mean, Jalen Hurts was the picture-perfect project. Let's mold him into something. It took him a couple years. He didn't look too good in, in year one. And when we replaced Carson Wentz, it didn't look phenomenal. Uh, but he figured it out, and I think that kind of um, can be compared to Hendon Hooker. And I, I know a lot of people at the at the Senior Bowl are saying, like, his best playing days are ahead of him. Like, he's just getting better. And, yeah, he is 26 years old. He is older. He is, is coming off a bad injury. Can't really be picky. You know, like, we can't be picky on who our next quarterback is going to be uh, because we sat through any Dalton for a year. And I don't want to go through that again. So I think Hendon Hooker would be, be someone interesting and, you know, the Saints quarterback coach is, is coaching, I think, the national team. or um, Well, it doesn't really matter. He, he's at the Senior Bowl, so he's going to be spending a lot of time with the quarterbacks there. So, um, 
you know, they'll run on Curry there as well. So, yeah, I, I think you can take a shot in the second round. You can take a shot in the third round. But I think you've got to come out of this draft with uh, at least uh, have a plan in place to get one of these guys. And I, I wouldn't even um, be mad if they got a veteran as well. I think you got to have all options on the table and you got to keep going for it till you hit it. You know, we, we talk about Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker, and, and, and as great as that sounds, you do need a quarterback. You do need a running back. One mm-hmm. guy one guy that's interesting is Tulane running back Tajay Spears, who the, the talk today has been that his draft stock is rising and rising and rising. You know, could could the Saints do a nice job of keeping him in New Orleans and, and putting him in the black and gold? I would love Tajay Spears in the Saints, and I think he will be a guy kind of like Clyde Edwards-Alaire who um, – only his value, his draft stock only rose from here on out. Um, I didn't really expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to go in the first round, but a team like Kansas City was like, that's the perfect piece. That's what we need. Uh, we see a vision for him, and um, they did it. And I think it's kind of the same thing. He's probably a day two guy just based off of you know running backs and the value that the NFL puts on them. Um, maybe even later. I, I don't really know, but if if someone takes a shot in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's there's a couple of good running backs in this draft. I wouldn't be against like the Saints drafting uh, the guy from Texas, B. John Robinson. You know, he's like a hard nosed hitter. Um, he's going to get you those extra yards. And Tajay Spears does a good job of that as well. But I think a running back is is just probably as big as a as a quarterback in this in this year, whether that's veteran or um, in the draft. I you know Leonard Fournette's a free agent. That wouldn't be a guy that like breaks the bank and. It's a hometown face, and uh, you know he did a lot of bad things against us uh, in Tampa. But you know he'd he'd be a guy where it's like you come in for a player or two, just give us two or three hard hard yards, and that's one less carry that Kamara doesn't have to give you. I think they need someone like that, and uh, preferably someone young. I, I don't want the Saints to be spending too much money this offseason, but you know they're going to try to remain competitive. Um, and I think there's tons of good running backs in this class, and I know Matt Nagy, the uh, coordinator for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Today said this is probably the deepest running back class they have they've ever had at, at the Senior Bowl. So um, you know the Saints love the Senior Bowl, and we'll probably get you know one, two, three guys from there anyway. Brendan Erdel of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here on Crunch Time. Brendan, appreciate you as always. We can finally breathe a sigh of relief now that the Sean Payton drama is over, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. And there he goes, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. We're back to wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, score $50 to the Golf Connection for only $25. Who doesn't need help with their golf game? I sure as hell do. $50 voucher. Get it for half the price. Once again, head to AcadianaDeals.com this Friday for $50 to the Golf Connection for only $25. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Wrapping up crunch time today, 555, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Look, Sean Payton going to Denver, it's bittersweet, honestly. Um, again, after everything that he's done for the Saints, it's kind of hard to picture him coaching anybody else at this point. Uh, but the Saints got compensated well, so looking forward to the future and what the Saints are going to be able to do here. Uh, obviously wish Sean Payton nothing but the best in Denver. Uh, you know, Un- Unless it's versus the Saints. Of course. Then, uh, then, then all bets are off. For, for four quarters, I'm going to hate you. But if you're playing anybody else, I mean, I'm... I might be cheering for the Broncos. Well, maybe I mean, pick a Denver player in fantasy. Who knows? Right. I mean, I'm, I might go get Russell Wilson now because I just feel like he's going to have a resurgence under Sean Payton. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Watch Russell Wilson win MVP first year under Sean Payton. <laughs> I mean, hey, crazier things have happened. I want to take this opportunity to thank both of our guests today, Corey Diaz, recapping LSU's massive win over Tennessee, as well as Brendan Ertle coming on to talk all things Sean Payton. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about Sean Payton. We'll also go deeper into the D'Amico Ryans news, and we'll talk Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns with our guy Jay Walker for Cajuns Corner, 4-6 to six every weekday right here on the game. Tomorrow we will also recap the Pelicans and Nuggets. They tip off at 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, no injured players for the Pelicans. Obviously, Zion's still out, but CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, none of them listed on the injury report. Everybody seems to be a full go tonight. Can the Pelicans end the losing streak? Uh, my vote is no. Not tonight. I would hope so, but we'll see. We'll talk about it all tomorrow right here on Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll be back tomorrow 4 to 6 right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. A very fun edition of Tiger Rag is up next.